Good morning, busy buddies. <laughs> it is great to be back here with you. I bring you greetings from Trinity Cathedral, your cathedral in Sacramento, and I do hope you will come see us uh, if you're ever in Sacramento. For those of you who don't know me or who might have forgotten me, uh, I am Jim Richardson, and I was the priest in charge here at Incarnation for several years before I passed the candle to Pastor Stephen. And thank you, Stephen, for inviting me and Lori and uh, members of our family and our, our friends here today. Uh, we are all very grateful for your kind invitation and especially your friendship. This is the first time that I've been back in this pulpit since leaving in 2018, uh, but I have to, uh, some of you may have noticed that we sneaked in here on Christmas Eve last year, and it was just, just uh, really warm the cockles of our heart to be with you again on a Christmas Eve. This is such a beautiful, uh, sacred place. Uh, on Christmas, on really any occasion, but it was great to be back with you just for that. I might have been back here preaching a little sooner, but this uh, certain pandemic kind of put a crimp in some of that. Well, I want to begin this morning by pointing out something at the very start of our worship. You might have noticed that today's opening prayer, or collect, as we call it in Episcopal speak, today's opening collect is the only prayer in the prayer book that specifically mentions the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. It's the only prayer that underlines, read the Bible. We hear this collect just once a year, on this Sunday, just before Advent, probably as a reminder to crack open your Bibles just once before Christmas? Well, we sometimes hear the Bible as a rule book, but if you hear the Bible only as a rule book, you are missing the richness and the depth of the stories of our ancestors. And these stories are holy and human in every imaginable way. And that's what I want to talk about today. Our ancestors want us to know about the challenges they faced, the trials they overcame, the joys that held them up, the tragedies that brought them so low, they especially yearned to tell us about their encounters with the holy, experiences of awe they could barely describe and really could not explain. But these experiences profoundly changed them and profoundly changed the world around them. Like Jacob in the book of Genesis, 
They often even wrestled with God. They faltered. They fell flat on their faces. And they want us to know that they often failed and went wrong. And yet, yet, even with all of their human frailties, with all that brought them down, they found the courage to get up and keep going. They knew to their bones that this strength could only have come from their creator God. The Old Testament prophets, these Hebrew prophets, were especially obsessed with bringing justice to the poor, the lonely, the oppressed, the captives, the brokenhearted. This morning, we hear very briefly from one of these prophets, Malachi, who lived about 500 years before Christ. Malachi lived in a poor country, threatened from both within and without. Nations were rising against nations. Despots, tyrants, greedy landowners oppressed and exploited the people. Even the religious leaders were corrupt, and that outraged Malachi the most. Life was cheap. Times were very bleak. But even though everything seemed so beyond hope, Malachi proclaimed, evil would not prevail. Evil would not get the last word. And no matter how long it took, Malachi declared, the goodness and mercy of the Almighty would ultimately heal the world. See, he said, the day is coming, burning like an oven when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be like stubble. But you, you who revere my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Healing in its wings. There have always been people like Malachi. There have always been people of faith who stand up to evil. People who are out of steps with their times. People who are considered crazy. People who somehow find a way to healing and justice and make their voices heard. Sometimes we remember their names like Malachi, but more often than not, we don't remember their names. Some of these people lived long ago, and some of these people have sat right here in these pews, and they are still here with us. Their stories shape us, even when we don't realize it. And that brings me to why Pastor Stephen invited me to talk today. He asked me to talk about my new book about my ancestors who shaped me and my family and so many others. 
here's the book, it's finally done. <laughs> My book is titled The Abolitionist Journal Memories of an American Anti-Slavery Family. My ancestors were Methodists, they were deeply religious, and they were ardent anti-slavery abolitionists in the years before the Civil War. But I only learned of them in midlife from a 300-page handwritten journal kept by my great-great-grandfather, George W. Richardson, who was a Methodist pastor. He was born in 1824, died in 1911. But his story, even though he wrote it all down, sat unread for decades on our father's bookshelf until my father gave it to me at a crucial moment in my life when I was about to enter seminary, our Episcopal seminary in Berkeley, and I was having second thoughts. I read it before we went, I went off to seminary and something inside me kind of clicked and I could kind of feel my ancestors saying, buck up, Jim, get on with it. You're joining the family cause. Well, since then, I resolved to retrace his footsteps. And for 20 years, Lori and I, and Lori's here today, we have been retracing his steps across nine states. And it took that long to write the book, including when I was here. I had to retire to finish it. I want to thank you for your support and encouragement throughout this long project. I'll tell you one little story that you played a role, whether you know it or not. I had all the primary material, all these diaries and journals and, and letters and the journal itself in a box in the rectory a mile or two away. And the fires erupted in 2017, and I got Steve Layton, who's standing in the back, to run over to the house, get all the boxes, and bring them over here in case that house burned down. So, um, so thank you, Steve. It's, it's done. <laughs> well, please let me tell you a little bit about of this story, and I'm happy to talk more after, after our worship today. George Richardson and his wife Carolyn uh, grew up in this anti-slavery family. They eventually migrated to the Midwest. Um, they married, and they used their house in Galena, Illinois on the Underground Railroad during, in the years before the Civil War. And then during the Civil War, George volunteered to be the white chaplain to a black union regiment in, in uh, Memphis. And he saw a great deal of bloodshed and carnage during the war. And then after the Civil War, he and his oldest son, Owen, and three black pastors founded a school in Dallas for the previously enslaved. Slaves were not allowed to learn to read or write. They had this hunger. Uh, for learning, and so the school became immediately popular and a great success. Too great of a success, the Ku Klux Klan burned it down. 
And so in an act of defiance, the black community of Dallas rebuilt the school in a single weekend. And then the city of Dallas found a way to shut it down. And so then George, and, and by then joined by Carolyn and their daughter Emma, rebuilt the school, this time in Austin. And today the school thrives as Houston Tillotson University, and it's a recognized historically black college and university. And we were there a couple of weeks ago to help them celebrate their 147th anniversary. And it just was an amazingly wonderful experience to finally get to tell the story of their founding. Well, throughout his journal, George Richardson made it clear that his deepest passion was the salvation of African Americans from bondage, ignorance, poverty, sickness, and racial caste. I am willing, he wrote, to let the Lord and the colored people of the South have the balance of my life. For this part of my life is so much clear gain. This was his life mission. Well, his work is still with us. We know that. The truth is, whether we see it or not, the legacy of slavery and segregation and racial caste still shapes us. It still is within us. It still is how our society is structured. It's our legacy. But we also carry with us another legacy. We carry with us the stories of those who fought to end slavery, to dismantle segregation. We carry with us the legacy of those who saw another way. And that also shapes us and is within us and is who we are. In every generation, there have been those who have fought against white supremacy. There are those who fought against all forms of hatred and violence and all that harms us. Every generation has these people. And this is why these Old Testament prophets still matter. This is why all those who went before us still matter and who we need to remember. This is why our remembering matters. And this is also why what we do matters. We too shape who comes after us. Our story matters. Our story matters to those who aren't yet born. For as St. Paul tells us, brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing right. And as Jesus tells us, by your endurance, you will gain your souls. Thank you again for having me. Amen. Amen.